Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for His purpose and His kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much, and welcome to The Vessel. Thank y'all for being here this morning. And if you are joining us through Church at Home via Facebook, thank you for being online. I encourage you to um, be active and participate in the little chat box. We, Shay and I and our family had COVID, uh, gosh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and so we did Church at Home. And I understand if you're doing that, that that's hard, especially we have kids in our household to try to get them to engage. But we had a really sweet time doing it. And I just want to just testify to, uh, as Joe, one of our elders, led us through a time of prayer, uh, praying through the Lord's Prayer, that we saw like our family in that moment, just going around and asking the kids to offer up what they were praying for and how they were praying through the Lord's Prayer. And we put it in the little chat box. And so we had a deck of cards on our coffee table, and if you've ever been to Shana's house, that's not abnormal. We like to play cards and stuff, and so we had a deck of cards on the coffee table, so we shuffled them up, and we said, all right, I'm gonna deal you out a card, and so on this portion of the prayer, we're gonna share, and whoever has the, the lowest, we're gonna go lowest to highest on cards, is gonna share first, and so we deal them out, and it was really sweet, and so we put all that in the chat, the, the little Facebook box, and, and we're able to share that. And I just want to say, like, we saw the Lord answer those prayers, and, and we saw really significant, like, poignant things. I was praying for a neighbor that was in our cul-de-sac who um, is a great, great guy, and his family's from Turkey, and um, I've been praying for him, and we have a great friendship. And so <clears throat> I prayed for him that morning, and then about 2 o'clock that afternoon, he texted me. He said, hey, Jake. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I hope you are doing well. And I was like, Mustafa, man, I'm praying for you as well. So um, I just appreciate y'all participating in that way. And I thank you for the team that that gets online. Uh, Hope is online this morning, Hope uh, Hall. And so she's online engaging. So uh, I know for those of you in this room, that doesn't apply. But for those at church and home, thank you for participating to that. That ministry has been something that's really served us well and given us the opportunity to minister to people and to bring God's word and to be connected with one another as a body of Christ, even if we're holed up at home uh, doing COVID or whatever it is. So anyways, thank y'all for participating in that. One thing uh, I wanted to let you know, so we've been in this, as we started off this new year, we start off in the month of January, as we normally do, kind of casting vision for our church. And it's, it's not a kind of a haphazard thing or just something we arbitrarily do, but this past fall, we really prayed through as elders what we felt like the Lord was calling us to do. And so January was a really sweet and fun time of kind of casting vision um, about where God was calling us and what that looked like for the year 22. And, and, and not just like uh, the Lord doesn't get just one year vision, but we really feel and it felt like the Lord is bringing an, an end to the chapter of us as a church plant, like planting this church where we planted uh, the vessel in the summer of 2019, so two and a half years ago, and kind of moving into this next chapter and how we faithfully build the build our church and reach our neighbors with the gospel and to love one another and to love the world really well. So I'm super excited about that. So we wrap that up. And so this morning, we're gonna begin a brand new series that's simply called The Gospel. I think Mr. Ryan's got a, a slide for it. That's about as uh, fancy as we get. You know, there's some like preachers or pastors that are get really creative 
with their sermon tiles. Like I saw one that said it was at the movies and they used a movie as their illustration last week. We're just like, that's it. Just the gospel, as simple as it could be. That is just us. So uh, for the next nine weeks, so from starting this week through the month of February, through the month of April, all the way until Palm Sunday, we are gonna be sharing the gospel each and every weekend. And, and the heart of it is, is to see the story of the gospel and what, it, what the gospel truly means, not just biblically, but for our lives. And we know that the word gospel, a lot of us know, means good news. It's the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I think sometimes if you consider yourself a Christ follower and you're a believer uh, in Jesus, that in a lot of ways we can make a mistake of thinking, oh, the gospel was this thing and this story that began my faith. Like I had this moment where the first time I heard about the love of Christ, what Jesus did on the cross for me, for my sins, the forgiveness, and it began my faith, which is very true. But a lot of times we, we wander away from that. And we are, we are creatures that are, as the, as the, the hymnals, as the hymn says, come thou found, we're prone to wander. And not just wonder and our struggle and our sin, but we wander away from that. And we forget that, man, the gospel is for us every single day. And the goodness of the gospel is something that we need to remember every day. And it's the story of Jesus. And I think it's really important that we remember that like we're in flight. Like the gospel and the love of Christ and the pursuit for his people and his spirit being in us, like we're in the midst of the gospel the story of what Jesus did on the cross and is doing in our lives is in flight and it's happening in our lives. And we say this often and we'll say it every week for the next nine weeks, but the gospel is more than just a story to tell. If it was simply telling a good story and we would get a, a video camera or a, a pen and paper and we'd write down a compelling story of Jesus, but truly the gospel is more than just a story to tell, it's a life to be lived. And so even if you consider yourself a Christ follower, I hope that this, next nine weeks is, man, you hear the love of Jesus in just a really refreshing and, and way that reminds you of this moment that you gave your life to Christ. So this morning is gonna kind of mark that beginning point as we kind of start this journey over the next nine weeks. And we're gonna have different people sharing and we're gonna look through scripture and we're gonna see like from New Testament to, to Revelation, throughout the epistles, throughout you know, God's pursuit of the Israelites, through Genesis, that the gospel is this common thread that's throughout scripture. And so <clears throat> I really prayed about how do we begin this? Like how do we launch this off, which feels like this very simple but profound thing. And so um, I, I uh, stole something from Jessica Wright, our worship leader, wherever Jessica went, is I stole this from Jessica. Yeah, so I was a teacher before ministry and any good teacher knows is like the best teachers steal things from other people. And I'm sure that's the way it is in like most things and most things that you do in your life. And so uh, we had a few weeks ago, or just a couple weeks ago, we had what we called our family vessel gathering, or our vessel family gathering, where we kind of had all of our core people and we invited the people that really make up this church together. And we had a dinner and kind of talked more about vision and what God's calling us to do. And so I had uh, kind of each one of our people that lead ministry, Shay shared, talking about inward ministry and what that means to be in small group and discipleship relationship with one another, to talk about kind of what we're doing with inward ministry. Martha, uh, one of our elders and I talked about outward ministry and how God has called us to love our community and our neighbors and those around us. And so when Jessica Wright, who leads worship for us, talked about 
inward ministry, and that's what we're doing now. That's the body coming together to worship the Lord. Oh, upward. Shay's giving me the end. It's not inward, it's upward. Thank you, Shay. Upward ministry is what we do on Sunday mornings. And so as Jessica shared that, she shared this, uh, she shared in a really kind of beautiful way that I'm totally stealing from her today. She said, who we are is why we do what we do as a church. And she kind of broke that down. She said, who we are is why we do what we do. And so she, she unpacked that backwards, uh, what we do, why we do it, and who we are, and kind of walk through that. So we're gonna do the same thing about the gospel, but instead of being about us, it's gonna be about the Lord. So um, if you are taking notes or you're writing down, here's how we're gonna walk through this morning, and we're gonna jump around in scripture. I'm gonna be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and then the, the second half and the majority, I'm gonna be in 1 John chapter four, which really beautifully shares the gospel. But the idea is this, <clears throat> when considering God, is who he is, is why he did what he's done. So in thinking about God, who he is, is why he did what he's done. And so my heart is that we just walk through that and take a moment to, as we begin this journey, just look at Jesus and look at the Lord and answer that question is who is he, why he did what he's done. So if you would pray with me and we'll jump in. Lord, we thank you so much for God, the truth of that worship. God, the truth of communion uh, that is a reality that we live with. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for that. We just ask, God, as we begin this gospel series, Lord, uh, as your word said, blessed are the feet of those that share the good news of the gospel. And so, Lord, in in a non-selfish way, we wanna be sharers of the gospel. And so I just ask, God, that through the next nine weeks, not just the gathering on Sunday mornings, but God, that we would, we would live out the gospel in our lives and that you would give us opportunity, God, if we're believers and followers of you, Lord, to share the gospel with those around us, with our children as we lay them to bed, with our coworkers as we interact with them on a day-to-day basis, as our neighbors, as we cross paths on the street, God, would you give us opportunities to share your gospel God, would you bless our feet as we take out your word? God, will we realize that it's not just a story to tell? We're not pitching or selling vacuum cleaners, Lord, but we're loving others the way that you loved us and allowing you to use us for that. For those of us that are in this room and online now that do not know you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, would you just speak so clearly and profoundly to our hearts about the love that you showed and that manifests itself on the cross. God, and that we would be faced with the truth of the gospel in a significant and real and powerful way. And that Lord, we would have courage to step in and to receive that, Lord. You know where we are, Lord, every one of us. You know the things that are going on in our lives. You know our struggles, you know our victories, you know our prayers, you know our heartaches, you know our pain. You know our life, you know the hairs on our head and you love us, Lord. And so we just ask for you to speak to us powerfully in this moment right now. We pray these things in your name, amen. So who he is is why he did what he's done. And the same thing that Jessica did when we had our kind of our Vessel family gathering, I'm gonna work our way back through that. So we're gonna start at the end and talk about, first of all, what he's done. 
what he's done. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I chose this scripture because it's really black and white. It's really clear. It's not fluffy in the language. And don't worry, we're getting to 1 John. So all the feelers in the room, anyone? Like I'm a feeler. Like we'll get to 1 John and you'll feel the love. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is very cut and dry and says this. It says, for what I received, I pass on to you. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so this is a very simple cut and dry black and white thing is that what he's done, and we say what he's done because this is something that we believe that Jesus did. We believe that this is a life that he lived and that this happened and that it happened on the cross is that Christ, Jesus Christ died for your sins. This is what we believe. We believe he died for your sins. We believe that he was buried. He was dead, like dead, dead, like D-E-A-D, dead. Buried for three days. We believe that on the third day he was resurrected, that he conquered death and that he ascended into heaven. And so let's just like, if you, like let's just take that in for a moment, what we believe as Christ followers or what Christians claim to believe. And can we appreciate the craziness of that story, right? Like that's, that's crazy, crazy, crazy. We believe that a man that is God, 100% God, 100% man, lived a perfect life without sin, that he was nailed to a cross not by accident, not by surprise, but with intention for you. Before you were a twinkle in your mother's eyes, that he did that for you. That he died on that cross, that he was buried and resurrected. And so if you think that's crazy, you think it's crazy because it is. You're right. That's a crazy thought. And I think that sometimes as Christians and living in a Christian context, we don't appreciate that story enough. You know, like my family, we, we had an interaction with the uh, tooth fairy <clears throat> this week. And so like we, we talked about tooth fairies and we had a lot of discussion around our kitchen table about the tooth fairy. Because at the tooth fairy, I don't know about your house, but our house, the tooth fairy wasn't good about coming on time. And so I think we, we couldn't figure out, if we couldn't figure out the tooth fairy like made his rounds, like he comes once a week, like the trash, or if weather, if there's a team of tooth fairies. So we talked about all the things, but we talked about, uh, you know, the craziness of the tooth fairy in a re very real way. But we think about Jesus and what we proclaim to believe is a crazy story, right? It's a crazy thing. And we believe that what the scripture says is true. We believe that Jesus was a plan from the beginning, before creation, that this wasn't plan B or C or D. We don't believe that, that God sent his son to like be this king and he accidentally was born in this manger and he was poor and that, that God was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna kill him. I'm so surprised what we could do. Okay, he can be atonement for their sins. So that was the plan. That was the plan. We believe that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He's accused, beaten, spit on, mocked, nailed to a cross, died, conquered death, risen, like flesh and blood risen. Like put a, put a, put a, hand, put a hand in my side, feel my wounds, risen, and ascended into heaven. And he did it for you. He did that for you. And not even like a collective us, like he did it for you. Audrey, Kate, Linder, he did that for you. I know Audrey's middle name because she's 
sadly moving out of our house this week. But man, to think about like, the Lord did that for me. So we say what he's done, that's what we can claim to believe. And that's the story of the gospel. I think that we, we can gloss over it um, and not consider the significance of the story that we believe. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. And I think this is, is part of the issue and problem. But the truth is this, is for far too long, our strategy for sharing the gospel has started with the sin of man rather than the love of Jesus. I'll say that again for those who zoned out. For far too long, our strategy for sharing the gospel has began with the sin of man rather than the love of Christ. And I think if you've experienced, like we have people in our lives, and maybe that's you, you've ever been in church, you've ever felt beat up, put down, dragged through the mud about how awful and sinful and lowly you are. I think that that's because we've, we've, we've shared this message for generations and we've started it with the sin of man rather than the love of Jesus. And we've seen it. I used to do student ministry and we'd seen kids try to, that would accept Christ as their Lord and Savior again and again and again and again. And like I have a friend that he grew up in a church and they used to watch rapture films as like a teenager. They play these rapture films and every time they'd have an altar call, he would like run to the front to accept Jesus just in case. He didn't get it right the first time, just in case it wasn't for sure, it didn't stick. And we can laugh about that, but like that's broken, right? Like that's broken, is that, that we, 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 we have led with this strategy talking about how pitiful and awful we are rather than the love of Jesus. And so the gospel starts with love. The gospel starts with love. And our problem is, is that Sometimes we're too arrogant to realize that the gospel is not centered on us, but it's centered on Christ. That the center of the gospel that we believe, all these things about what he's done is not you, it is him. It's not, not about what you've done, but it's about what Jesus has done. It's not dependent on how good you are, how holy, how righteous, how much you pray, how much your Bible you read. It is about what he did for you, not about you. And we see this creep into our lives in a lot of different ways. As Christ followers, uh, we see this creep on our relationship with the Lord and our perception of what God looks like and who God is. And so think about this. Think about like we think at times our, our theology, our knowledge or how much we know, or how much we've read, and our expertise somehow qualifies us for the love of Christ, for this gospel. We think if I can just learn a little bit more, if I can understand it better, if I can fit it into this mental box, and, and uh, Melissa McKinney and I were talking about this before church, if like, that's really hard to think that I can take the, the, the gospel and the love of God and I can fit it into this mental box that I can, I can check all the boxes and say, I fully understand every aspect of this. Or the opposite happens. We think, man, I'm not good enough. I've failed, I've fallen short, I've sinned, that I, I'm not good enough for the love of Jesus. And I, and I want you to know, like, I struggle with that even now. There are Sundays that I get up here and I stand behind this microphone and I share what God's put on my heart and I can't, I, can't, I can't get off of this space fast enough. I feel like, man, I didn't do a good job. I didn't communicate that well. I failed. I'm sorry, God, and I want to run out of this room. Why do I do that? Because I'm making it about me. We do that in our lives. We think if I could just understand more, 
or I'm no good, but the gospel is about what Jesus has done, not about us. And, and this becomes problematic because slowly as Christ followers, we, like we've heard the gospel, but slowly over time, like there's, there's drift and there, there's shift and it's a shift away from God and what God has done, what Jesus has done and towards us and what we have or haven't done. I mean, I'll just preach to myself for a minute. Like, how foolish is that for me to think, like, I've prayed and I've sought the Lord and I'm, I'm willing to stand in front of people and on Facebook and, and to share the love of Jesus and I should feel foolish or ashamed or unworthy or like that I haven't done a good job. Of course I haven't done a good job, right? I don't have to go Sunday to Sunday or evaluate. Like we can just, bad job, right? And that's not, again, beating myself up. But man, what we believe the cross is what the Lord has done. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates, manifests his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God first loved you, which brings us to, that. that's the what he's done, which brings us to the middle part of this uh, who he is, is why he did what he's done. That brings us to the middle part of why he did it and what motivated God to do it, and it's love. Is that while we were still sinners, God first loved us. Is that God is motivated by love. And 1 John chapter four says this. This is how God showed his love among us. <clears throat> he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. So I ask the question of why, why he did it, why he did that crazy thing that we believe that is finished and done on the cross, and he did it because of love. Simple, one answer you don't have to debate it. You don't have to have a theology degree. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? We all know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I think that we all had this innate part of us and who we are as a human being, as a creation. We have innate part of two things that we desire. We, we desire to be loved and we desire to be in relationship. We desire to be in love, to be loved and to be in relationship. And this comes from God and how we are created. Scripture tells us that we are created in his own image, right? And our desire to love and to be loved is, is we're image bearers of a God that desires to love. And we desire to be in relationship with other people because we're made in the image of a God that desires relationship with his people. Is that God loves us. And so I'll prove this to you in a minute. And so if you're a parent, this is an easy, like this is easy for you to think about because you've got little people in your household that desire relationship and desire to be loved, right? Yes. I've got a first grader, a third grader, and a sixth grader, and they desire relationship with me as their father, and they desire to be loved by their father. And I, man, it is the greatest 
gift as a parent to be able to do those, to be able to be in relationship and love your children. My youngest is Barrett, and he often gets in trouble. He's amazing. He lost his first tooth this week, as I said. And so he gets in trouble sometimes and often. And so we get on him, we try to to correct him. So he went through this phase where when I get on him or he'd get in trouble, he'd do something wrong and I'm talking to him, I get on him and I'm, I'm fussing at him. He'd say, he'd say, dad, I love you. I love you, daddy. Right? And he's doing two things. One, he's trying to butter me up. He's a charmer, just like his dad. So he's trying to butter me up and distract me. But also there's a part of him in that moment that wants to know he's loved, right? He's in trouble, I'm upset. And, and subconsciously, he thinks, has, have I lost love? Have I done something to disqualify myself from being loved? And so it's a great opportunity to say, buddy, I love you. And nothing that you do will ever change that. But you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z because of A, B, and C, Right? I've seen it through RAD, our special needs ministry, uh, RAD, uh, that we've done a lot of uh, events and uh, had opportunities to love and serve the special needs community and those who are differently able, is I've been able to serve as a, a buddy through RAD. And one thing about having the opportunity to be around and be in relationship with children who are differently abled is this past RAD week, this summer, my, my buddy was... Uh, this guy, no, this was Rad Christmas. This was before, this fall. My buddy uh, was uh, this sweet little boy that had autism. And he, he, had, he had nonverbal autism. And so if you know anyone that has, that has autism, a lot of their struggle is relational. There's a lot of social struggle and relational struggle in this. And so I've had, I had this buddy and I've known him since he was a little guy and he's still a little guy, but he's a big little guy, if you know what I mean. And so it's interesting to have this relationship with him which, and that's a struggle for him. There's a, there's a disconnect and a barrier and that's something that he has to overcome. But these things about a desire for a relationship and a desire to be loved are still there. And despite some of his social struggles, those two things are really evident. And I saw that this summer is that he needed a lot of help from our professional team, our P team. And so I'll brag on them for a little bit uh, for Elizabeth, who's back serving with our rad kids this morning and not in here in this room uh, for um, Hope and for Alyssa. And, and Alyssa, if you know Alyssa, she's in our small group. In particular, she's a part of our P team. My buddy loved Alyssa and I couldn't get him to do anything I couldn't get him to do anything, but Alyssa walked in the room and man, she loved him and connected with him and he desired relationship for her with her. And man, he would do anything if Alyssa said, hey, let's go do this or how about this activity? Because he felt loved by her and he wanted a relationship. And it would help if I was a cute girl, but I'm not, I'm just a, a frumpy old dad. So, you know, he didn't as much desire a relationship with me, but we see that. I see that through rad. I see a desire for relationship and a desire for love. And here's the truth. The truth is that sin destroys relationship. Can I get an amen? Yes. I was with friends this week and we talked about that very thing in our own lives and the lives of our families is that we know people that you've seen sin destroy relationship between people. You've seen it happen. You've seen it manifest in your own life. You can think right now about broken and lost relationship that you have because of someone's sin or someone's sins. 
is that sin destroys relationship. And it does the same thing with us and God. It's that God, like us, desires relationship with you. It's our own sin and the way we fall short. It breaks relationship with God. It destroys the relationship that we have with him. And so we think, man, how could an unloving God, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? We don't realize that it's our brokenness that's broken relationship with the Lord. So why he did it is because he loves you and he wants relationship with you. He wants real relationship with you. That's why he did it. That's why he went to the cross and the thing that he's done, that's why he did it. And it's not about you, about what you've done. It is about you and the fact that he loves you so much that he desires relationship with you. And scripture tells us that sin, just like the perfect life and the life of Christ and the blood of Jesus on the cross, not only that it conquered death, it conquers your sin. It conquers your very sin. First Peter chapter four, verse eight says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In the same way that Jesus conquered death, he conquered your sin through his love on the cross because he loves you. That is why. Why he did it is because he loves you. And the last part of who he is, who he is. And this is gonna be, this, this, is, this is how I know the hardest part of my message is the thing that I wait on until the very end of the week and I can't figure out. So this idea of who he is, and I want you to, to think and under, and to, it's hard to consider and to understand who God is, like his nature. And so this is, like I said, a deep theological question that doesn't have a simple answer. And so we can look through scripture and we can look through all these names of the nature of God and who he is. You can talk about he's Jehovah Elohim, which is the creator. He is the creator, mighty and strong. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is provide. He is our provision in our life. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. There's all these things about who he is and his nature of God as his being. And so trying to understand that is really hard. But these are all things that identify his very nature. So when we consider who he is, is why he did what he's done. As we, we arrive at this point of who is God, like at his very nature, at his very core, who is he? And that's hard to wrap our mind around. Numbers 23 says this and gives me peace. It says, God is not human, that he should lie. He's not a human being, that he should change his mind. Does he speak when, and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Is that we try to often understand God in the context of human, like who I am. And someone asked me this week, like, hey, we were kind of having these big conversation about kind of deep stuff. And they said, hey, if you had to think about how someone would describe you, how would they describe you? Good, bad, or ugly, how would they describe you? And so we try to do the same thing about God. Like we consider if I'm describing Shay, I'd say she's beautiful and she's funny and she's intelligent and she um, sometimes leaves the door open when I'm in the shower and I have to fuss at her all the time. Shay, come close the door. Anyways, so she does all these things we describe and we try to think about God in the same way. But here's what scripture says about the Lord. In 1 John chapter, eight, chapter 4, verse 8, just the verse right before about how God loves us, it says, verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
God is love. There's no more simple yet complex three words in all of scripture. God is love. It is who he is. It's his very nature. And so <clears throat> this is the NIV translation. Ron, if you put up that last one, that God is love. Here's how King James uh, translates it. God is love. The ESV, for all you scholars out there, it translates it as God is love. New Living Translation, that's a translation that Shay reads. It says, God is love. The New King James Version, God is love. The Spanish Version, Dios es amor. I don't speak Spanish, but I think that means God is love. Right, it's simple. It's clear. There's no way around it. It is, it is who he is in his very nature, not what he does, but it's who he is. Love is the very nature of God. It's like describing something and saying this, this is the color black, like these curtains, what I think. And it's not even that. It's like saying the, the fabric that it's made of, what is this curtain made of? It is cotton. Love is what God is made of. It's what he is. It's what he is. And this is hard for us to understand because while we have the capacity to love, it is not our nature because we also have the capacity to hate. We have the capacity for a lot of things. God, by his very nature of being loved, does not have the capacity to hate. There's no evil. There's no brokenness. He is pure and he is love. We have a cat in our house that um, is a very fickle lover in our house. And there's times that she wants to be pet. And there's times that she does not want to be pet. So in the mornings when you get up and she has that attention, she wants you to pet her. And at night when you're trying to go to bed or you're reading, the cat wants to be loved. And it wants to love you and it wants to be loved. But it is very fickle with its love is that other times it will come and sit by you and you go to pet it. And it's like, it, it avoids your hand because it does not want to love you. It does not want to be loved by you in that moment. That is not God. God is not a fickle person, but we are. We are like that cat. That there's love on our terms and under our circumstances and how we want. That is not God. And so people say, like, how could a loving God, dot, dot, dot. And so what we're trying to do is trying to understand the love of God through the lens of our capacity to love. By his very nature, God is love. <clears throat> Here's the truth. It's just like the sun the love, of, the love of God rises on every one of us, the exact same each and every day, period. No one is excluded. There's not one person that is not loved by God. There's not one person that's more loved by God or less loved by God. God is love. And if you hear nothing else about the gospel, God loves you more than you can fathom, imagine, dream, hope, conjure up, period, end of story. And like standing at the rising of a sun is like standing before the love of God. You do not escape it, that God loves you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are rich, poor, successful, unsuccessful, healthy, sick. It doesn't matter if you're an addict. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're Muslim, if you're Hindu, if you're Wiccan. God loves you, period. No one is outside the love of God. That is the very nature of who he is. That the love of God is the same for everyone. And that is the gospel. Who he is, he is love. 
why he's done it, because he loves you. That scripture, if we read it in the King James, let me see if I had this in here. It calls us beloved. And that God's idea is who we are, is one that is loved by God, is what he's done. He died on the cross so that you can be in a relationship with him. And that is the gospel. As we close, I wanna share just a moment of my own, and I'm gonna ask other people as they share through this series, just their own experience with God. I accepted the Lord when I was 13 years old. I went to this summer youth camp, and I was this bratty little, just like my son Barrett, 13-year-old kid, and I heard about the love of Christ. And really what struck me is that the Lord wanted relationship with me he was alive, that he was real, and he loved me and desired relationship with me. So it was an evening, they presented the gospel, and I walked away, and I sat beneath this, this oak tree on the banks of the Frio River, and I sat there, and like a 13-year-old does, I just opened myself up to the Lord. I said, okay, God, if you love me, if you want relationship, yes. And I had the most real genuine, authentic encounter with Christ. And I received that love and I received that relationship. So I want you to know, like as we enter into this series, if you're looking back at a life of, that has been relationship with you and Jesus, I want that to be real and powerful for you. And if that is new or foreign thought to you, I'm urging you to consider and to realize that God is love and he loves you. Let's stand, I'm gonna pray and we can go. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.